What's your memory verse tonight? Deuteronomy 31, 6. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For God is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31, 6. Goes with you, actually, instead of before you. Anybody else? Deuteronomy 31, 6. Good job. Anybody else? Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 Good job. Anybody else? Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God for the Lord your God He is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31.6 Good job. Anybody else? Deuteronomy 31.6 Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 316. Good job. <coughs> I thought you did. You did Hebrews 13. I did. I made sense. 13.5. That's pretty good. I was like, I thought the word never was up in the New Testament, not in the Old, but that's fine. It's good. That, what happened? Did I say it wrong? No, you did good. No, I was still thinking about Michael's. Instead of he will not leave you, he said he will never leave you nor oh. forsake you. And that's the, the Greek where they quote it from the Septuagint, I think, is what happens. And it changes it a little bit. When it, anyway, it's good. Anybody else? What I want to do, really, is start in verse 1. If um, it's, it's really interesting that this is a, it's a picture of um, the law ending and grace coming in if you look at it from the Old Testament to the New Testament because Moses is not going over and Joshua is going to go over so it's really interesting to watch uh, what's going on here so they're standing here getting ready to cross the Jordan and God has told Moses that he couldn't go in uh, because he struck the rock twice he misrepresented God and it says in 31.1, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. It's his birthday. See that? It's his birthday. He's 120 years old. 31.1 of Deuteronomy. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over the Jordan. So, Forty years, Pharaoh's household, 
learning everything, being educated by the best teachers of the land. Remember, he tried to save the Hebrew people. He killed one of Pharaoh's soldiers and couldn't hide it in the sand and fled for 40 years in Midian and uh, was on the backside seminary for 40 years on the run. And then he came and now 40 years in the wilderness. Um, when you read it, it's 38 years they waited, 40 years total in the wilderness, 38 years traveling around this same rock, uh, waiting for the, everybody 20 years and older except for Joshua and Caleb to die. He is older. I do not think that age was the number one reason why he cannot cross over. The number one reason was that God said, you see there, uh, you shall not cross over the Jordan, God said to him. The Lord said to him, you shall not cross over. And because, you know, we, it's a picture of salvation. Now, when they go across the Jordan, there's still sin in the land. There's still ites in the land. There's still death in the land. When we go into the promised land, this is the promised with a D. There's a promised land that we're going to go into. We cross over by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. You can't get there by law because we can't keep the law. But the law points out, Moses represents the law. The law points out our sin and our need for a Savior. So now we see that Joshua is going to come in. And I know you, you're probably just going, hey, what's this got to do with it? Anyway, let's watch. Let's see what God would say to us. Verse 3, the Lord your God himself, see that, crosses over before you. See, the law can't take you across. But the Lord your God can with grace. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess or possess them, King James. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. Now, listen to me. The nations that are there, the ites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, all the ites that are in the land is representative to you and me when we come to salvation as sin. The ites in the land, what has to be cleaned up, we're supposed to begin to be sanctified, washed, and cleansed. They were supposed to cross the Jordan and go in and dispossess. Everything, the inheritance is there. Gardens are planted, houses are there. Everything's there for them. All they need to do is obey God and go in and divide up the land and kill the people of the land. Every, everybody has got to die. Everything in the land dies. Uh, but the gardens are already planted. This is God's judgment upon sin of the land, and, and, but it's salvation to them. It's their land of milk and honey. It's their complete provision. You and I, see, it's the same thing. When we get saved, we come to Jesus positionally. We are already, it's already finished. Positionally. Power of sin is gone. Uh, the, the penalty for sin is gone. But the practice has to be removed. So we begin to go in and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we, we get into the word, prayer, and fellowship. We draw near to God. We confess our sin. And he begins to sanctify and cleanse us. And he kills Everything in the land, in our flesh, in our life, that is not of him. And if we go uh, to be with him before that's finished, then when we see him, we're just like him. It's automatically, now we're practically exactly the same as we are positionally. And so it's the same type of work, though. Salvation is ongoing. 
in order for them to go in and take the land, they were supposed to go in and keep possessing, keep dispossessing. Listen, this is pretty important words here. When it says, you will, uh, uh, and thou shalt possess them, is what it says. New King James says, dispossess them. But it means to occupy them. But listen to it. It means to take by force. See, our sanctification is some work. We're supposed to beat the flesh into submission. We're supposed to actually get busy and get serious about, about becoming like Christ. You can only do it by the power of the Holy Spirit with the working of God through, this, through what God does in sanctification. But listen to me. It's the will of God for us is our sanctification. 1 Thessalonians 4.3. So there's going to be some work involved in it. There's some denial of self. There's some things that are very hard. There's some confessing. There's some accountability. There's work going on, but it's done by um, force. Listen, it means to disinherit them. Listen to this. It means to drive out the previous tenant. Listen to me. They drive out the previous tenant. What is your previous tenant? Self. Sin, Satan, your flesh, you're driving it out. As you let the truth come in, the lie is going out. As, as you, you allow that to happen by submitting to the authority of God, to the truth of God, the washing and cleansing of the water through the word, it's driving out the previous tenant of your house, of your temple. It's allowing God to be sitting in your house. So it's the same type. The theology is the same. They were doing it physically, practically going in, and it gives us an example of how to walk it out spiritually in the New Testament. But we're supposed to get serious with it. What happened with them? Oh, I'm glad you asked. See, we see it all the way through the testimonies. We're going through it. They wanted to be like the nations around them. They got lazy and complacent. Everything was provided for them. There was this perfect inheritance. So they never did go in and fully dispossess or take the land. And it's the same thing with Christians today. We're supposed to be finding out what the will of the Lord is. Learning to walk circumspectly. Becoming witnesses and going out and giving testimony. Being trophies of grace in front of others. Being light bearers as Aaron was. And what happens is, is we get lazy, we stop getting into the word prayer and fellowship, we stop fighting with sin, and God raises up an enemy to attack us. Just like he did with them, he raised up the Philistines. He would raise up those nations, he would make those more evil nations to rise up and attack them so that they would have to cry out to him and begin to work on their sanctification again. It would convict them so much that they knew they were not doing what God had told them to do. Listen, not because of the land. They're already in the land. You and I are not doing it. We already have our salvation. We already have it in Christ. We're doing it because we have it, not for it. And they were already in the land and stopped doing it. We can say, we can say well, I said a prayer. I'm already in. And then we just stop. And we allow the enemy to attack us. And we allow sin to dominate us. And we become like the culture. And we adopt the culture. What did they do? That's exactly what they did if you follow them too. We want a king like the nations around us. We don't want Moses to lead us. We don't want the judges to lead us. We're unhappy with Eli's son. Remember in Samuel. We're unhappy with Eli's sons. They're not doing what Eli did. They're not doing what Samuel did. We're unhappy with them. Make us a king to rule over us. And so 
They want to be just like the other nations. Instead of being set apart, being a light on a hill so that people will see that they serve a living and true God, they want to be just like the culture. So we're no different. But what we need to know is these examples are written down for us so we would not repeat their mistakes. That we've already been given an inheritance. We've already been set free. We've already, sin has been defeated. It, you know, and we can walk this out and be sanctified and cleansed. And again, part of being sanctified and cleansed is, is, is repenting and turning and confessing when we're not. So the good part is, is that it says the Lord, your God. So they see that relationship. The Lord, your God crosses over before you. Do you see that? God always goes before you. He's always already in the future. When you get there, he's waiting on you. He wants you to follow him, to be led by his spirit, to be washed and cleansed by the washing of the water through the word, the Holy Spirit. He's the one that's going to destroy. He's destroyed all the works of Satan. He's destroyed all the works of the flesh. He's defeated it at the cross with his blood. Completely destroyed. Thrown down. Crushed. Here, nations that he was given inheritance. To you and I, it's the enemy. He's dead before us. He has no power over us. You shall take by force. And I, I'm telling you, there's some work to be done when we go in, when we to, to pick up the spoils, because the enemy doesn't want us to know our identity. The enemy doesn't want us to run the race to win. The enemy doesn't want us walking in sanctification, living in peace, being a witness to the to the uh, a mighty hand of God in our lives. And then he actually tells you Joshua, Yeshua, Jesus, the Hebrew for Jesus. The Lord is salvation is what it means. The Lord is the deliverer, one could say, because salvation is delivered to safety. Yeshua himself, God himself, crosses over before you just as the Lord has said. And I just think that's amazing that God is going to go before us. I wanted to look at something. Let's look at something really quick. Look at Luke. I'm going to start in chapter 9. We read this this week. Dana texted it to me earlier this week. Um, very interesting scripture. Luke 10, 2, I think it is. Nope, 10, 1. Um, but I want to start in and look at the sons of thunder really quickly at the same time. While we're talking about being strong, when we get to it, you'll see why I'm talking about this strong and of good courage uh, uh, and do not fear nor be afraid of them. Strong and of good courage. Jesus in the flesh with them and the boys here, if you see it in 51, 951 of Luke, we call them the sons of thunder. It says, now it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. See, he's moving toward Jerusalem. That he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. One text said, said it like Flint. And he sent messengers before his face. Now, I believe he's getting ready to come back again. And he's sending messengers right now before his face to tell people to get ready. 
that he's coming again. He sent him out before where he was going. He sent him to, you're going to see it in 10.1 here in a minute. Where he's going, he sent him to first. They, and they were supposed to go out and be witnesses. They're supposed to be light bearers. They're supposed to make straight the way of the Lord and get people ready for his appearing and for his coming, for his death, burial, and resurrection. Watch this. He sent the messengers 52 before his face. Notice it's his face. Listen to me. It's his face. His face is his favor. Seeing God's face is his favor. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans. Jews never went into the villages of Samaritans. Half-breeds from Assyria interbreeding with the Jews. They made up their own religion, but God still came to them. Listen to me. God is, God is wanting to save everyone. He's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. Listen to me. We're going to talk about it Sunday. Jesus has already died for all the sins of the world, and now we're called to be reconciled to God. There's some work involved in being reconciled. There's some work involved. It's not just going to the altar and saying a prayer. It's not work of the flesh. No good. I mean, we've got to cease from the works of the flesh. So they go into the village of Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him. Listen to this, because there's lots that's not going to receive him. When the messengers go out, people are not going to be receiving him. Because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, sons of thunder, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them, just as Elijah did? That's why they call them sons of thunder. But he turned and rebuked them. Listen, very important. And said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. See, calling fire down on people is not the spirit of God. We're going to leave judgment to God. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them, to deliver them. I will go before you. I will cross over. I will dispossess those lands. I will give you a hope and a future. I will not leave you nor forsake you. And they went to another village. Now it happened... As they journeyed on the road, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Listen, this is going to the altar and saying a prayer. I'll follow you everywhere. I'm ready to go. And Jesus said to him, count the cost. Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Head's always power, too. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach to the kingdom of God. Now, before you're too mean with him, this guy's father wasn't dead yet. This person wanted to go enjoy his inheritance. He wanted to go and wait for his dad to die so he could get the inheritance and then come follow Jesus. I'm not ready yet. Today is the day for salvation. He wanted to go enjoy and have fun and have some prodigal living and then wait for his dad to die. And as soon as dad dies and I've got a little bit more money, I'll come and follow you, Jesus. Don't, don't, don't make a bunch of excuses. 
Jesus said, let the dead bury their own dead. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. Now that, listen, remember, follow means to be in the way with, to be a learner of, to be a disciple. Yeah, that's what this nation, you gotta, you got to remember that in this nation, they all wanted to follow a teacher. They were looking for a teacher. They would go to school and there would become a time when they were kicked out of school and had to go home and become fishermen. They had to go home and become tax collectors. They had to go home and plow the field. And others that were chosen by the teachers of the day would go, come here, you're a really smart student. We're going to take you into our intellectual schools and we're going to train you and teach you and make you, what? Twice the son of hell. That's what Jesus said. You, you go land and sea to find one proselyte, and then you make them twice the sons of hell. And they were teaching them bad. They were teaching them wrong. And the others got sent home that weren't bright enough. And what did Jesus do? He come and pick from the end of the line. He said, follow me. Follow me. And they were like, yes, somebody's telling us to follow them. Here's a teacher that wants us to follow them. They were just happy. They were ecstatic that somebody would choose them. And then they come to know that he was the Christ, the son of the living God. Think about that. He's not just a teacher, but he's the Messiah that everybody's looking for. And he's coming and picking them. He's not over here in the schools of higher learning picking them. He's not at Hebrew high. And if you follow the entire thing with the disciples, the only one that was educated was Judas. I mean, that's just biblically true. He was the only one that was educated. That's why they let him count the money. He was the only educated one. And he was stealing out of the money box. And he sells Jesus for the price of a slave, 30 pieces of silver. Sixty-one, nine sixty-one of Luke. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Get my family's approval. Talk to my family. Listen, personal relationship. Look at all the reasons why people want to follow. Look at all the things they want to do first. Look at everything that's going on. Today is the day for salvation. Mm -hmm. To understand that Jesus came to save, not to destroy men's lives. And today is the day to follow him. Today is the day to surrender to him. 62. And Jesus said to him, No one, having put his hand to the plow... And looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Remember what Elisha did when he was called by Elijah? You guys remember that? He literally burnt his plow. He said, follow me. He was plowing a field with oxen. And what did he do? He went back and burnt them, ate a last meal with his family, and come and followed Elijah. He literally burnt. There was nothing to go back to because he got rid of the, the ox. There's nothing to pull the plow with. Once you put your hand to the work of God, you're, he's saying here that looking back and doubting, looking back and not following, that you're not fit for the kingdom of God. Yet we will say that all things are possible with God. And then in 10, and remember that the chapters and the verses are not in the original manuscripts. So we're just reading right through. After these things, the Lord appointed. He called 70 others also. Now think about this for a minute, because 70 is the number of the Sanhedrin, the ruling authorities who were falsely teaching everybody else, and now he picks out 70. Earlier he had sent the 12 out, now he picks out a new 70, and he's sending them. But watch what he says to them. Um, 70 others also, and sent them 
two by two, just like you put them in the ark, two by two before his face, there it is again, into every city and place. Now here's where I want you to see where he himself was about to go. See, he's always going to be there. He tells you to go somewhere. He's always going to be there. King James says, whither he himself would come. He knows where he's going. He sends them there. He knows where he's working at. And where he's working at is everywhere you're at. He wants you to be there and to know that he's already there. He's already crossing over first before you, just like back here in Deuteronomy. He is the one that goes before you. He is the one that crosses over. He is the one that's already destroyed the works of the devil. He is the one that is dispossessing. He is the one that will wash and cleanse you. It's all his work. He's already there. And he sends us where he's already going. And all we have to do is show up and be faithful. Just show up. Then he said to them, The harvest truly is great, or plentiful, one might say, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he says, go your way. I send you as lambs or sheep before wolves. Understand that you're behind enemy lines. Understand as we go, he's going before us. The enemy is still there. We're dispossessing. Sometimes when you look in the mirror, you see the enemy. Sin and Satan and self. We can be our own worst enemy because self-deception is the only deception. But listen, be encouraged. He says, I will not leave you nor forsake you. I'm going before you. He sent Jesus, the Christ, to go before us, to die on a cross and pay for our sin. So when we look back, well, how do we know we can believe him? Uh, He's going before us. He's going to dispossess Joshua, Jesus, Yeshua, the Lord's salvation himself, crosses over before you just as the Lord has said. It's been promised. This is verse, uh, uh, we just finished three. Now we're going to do four, right? You want to know why we can believe it? Look what he says in verse four. And the Lord will do all that he said he would do. He will stand by his word. He will come through. Oh, here it is. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sion and Og, the king of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I commanded you. Now listen to me. He gives you a testimony. He gives you the word and a specific testimony of what he did before listen because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god and when you share your testimony when you share and witness and you tell people you tell them what god is doing what he's done and we see it in the bible faith comes by hearing but the hearing is to hear with the intent to obey what he's saying the commandments because he's already went before he's already doing and if you remember when they came in let's just look at it is Deuteronomy chapter 2 and 3. I don't know if we'll read it all. But you can see who it is. I mean, uh, Sion means warrior or temptuous. So, so when you're tempted, it's kind of like this is the, the warrior Sion is, is tempting you. It's turbulent. There's violence. Og means long-necked. 
that interesting long neck but it's one of the last rep, rep and, and some of them it's called the rephidim it's the last of the giants the last of the representatives of the giants because we have uh, 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 temptations and we have giants in our life but God's already destroying them and the first enemies that come out remember he tells them don't mess with Esau that's your brethren leave them alone but look at these here he says in 2.30, is that where I'm at? You guys are already there, and I'm trying to tell you where we're at. Uh, 2 verse 30, I think. Where am I at? King uh, Sion defeated. They're in the wilderness of Kidmoth. Let's see, 2 and 30. But Sion, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. See, that's the enemy. He don't want you and I to pass through and to pick up the inheritance and go out and witness and hand out the things that we know to be true because of the promises of God who's going before us. And, we're, and he's told us where to go to, make, to go to all nations and make disciples of all nations. Teach them to follow. Teach them to go. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey all that I commanded you. And what did he say? Lo, I'm with you always even to the end of the age. I will not leave you nor forsake you. He's with us. He's going before us. And here comes these enemies that won't let them pass through. But see, God was knowing this. God knew this. You know, when he saved us, and we're saved, we're saved completely, positionally, practically. It's a finished deal. He sees us as he deals with you and he deals with me. We'll talk about it Sunday, maybe. He sees us in perfection. He's dealing with us, but he knows our flesh still has the enemy in it. That our flesh still wants to obey the flesh because it's with us. And look what happens. So he makes that heart obstinate. He makes that spirit. Look at this. But Sion, king, it's 230. Uh, king of Heshbon would not let us pass through. The enemy doesn't want you to pass through and pick up the spoils and get to heaven. He wants to stop you on your, your journey and your race and your walk. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him to, into your hand as it is this day. See, the Lord wants to defeat your flesh. He wants to defeat it. He wants it to be dead. He wants you to be crucified with Christ, and you no longer live, but the life that you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself up for you. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sion and his land over to you. Begin to possess it. Get in the word, prayer, and fellowship. Let him wash and cleanse you and teach you truth, which will dispossess the lie that we live in. It will remove it from us. It's a life of faith that you may inherit his land, the enemy. Now, I, I, I don't... I don't know if it perfectly pans out but i see it panning out where it says the meek will inherit the earth and god's going to consume this earth with fire just like he's doing with your life and my life he's burning out the the flesh he's burning out the sin he's burning out the impurities until we look just exactly like him and he's also going to burn up this earth and burn out everything that's been touched by the devil but then he's going to make it new i make all things new so we inherit this as we obey and we're going to rule and reign with him in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years. So I hope I didn't uh, uh, mess it up too much. But fire has to be there. Work has to be there. Obedience needs to be there, but only by the spirit. It's not works of the flesh. See, when you're doing works of the flesh, you're still following Moses. You're still following the law. We can look back at the law as a, uh, uh, as a 
perfect representation of God's heart. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. You read the Ten Commandments. The law tells you exactly how God wants you to live. But it really points out the fact that we need a Savior because we can't do it. The law points. And, and, the, and, and Christ is the end of the law for righteousness sake. Because we could never be righteous by the law. Not unless you keep it perfectly and none of us can. Which is a interesting subject. But we'll move on. 32 and 232. Then Sion and all his people came out against the fight of Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons, his people. We took all of his cities at that time. And we utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city. We left none remaining. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. For Aor, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and from the city that is on the ravine of the Gilead, there's that Gilead, that's a company that's important, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Notice how who he keeps testifying did it. This is the work we do in sanctification. This is where we always got to remember because what happens is people begin to win battles. They begin to do things and they begin to read their press clippings and think that they are somebody. And God is always going to resist the proud. So we want to know that we have to continue to remind ourselves that God delivered, that God delivered. It's God's salvation. We're God's, we've been bought by the blood of Jesus. And it's God's victory. It's God's salvation. Always reminding yourself that he's not going to leave you nor forsake you. And it's about what he's done, not what we are doing. And he goes on in three, and I'm not going to keep reading um, about the defeat there and what happened. And he talks about there in 11, the remnants of the giants and those that were there. But listen to me. God goes before us. God gives testimony. God has always done everything he said he was going to do. God is, he cannot lie. He, he has already defeated the enemy. The enemy is dead, but most saints live outside the Holy of Holies. Most saints live in the world. Most Christians will not just go in and possess. We will not, we will not follow along. He's going before us. Just follow. He's where, he, where he's sending us is where he's already at, where he's going. He's there. He's waiting for us in heaven, seated, resting in heavenly places. Praying for us that we will follow, we will listen to the Holy Spirit and cross over and stop living in our own works. Stop living under the law. Stop living in rebellion. Stop playing religion and rest in the finished works and cease from our works, as Hebrews tells us. Here's the other thing that is very interesting and good to know about this is that. The Lord is doing the work, but we have the privilege of being involved in the work. He's doing the work, but who's he sent? Moses first to lead him out. Then he sends. See, Moses leads us out. The law shows us we need a savior. And then here comes the anointed Yeshua. And we see it and we believe. And we get to be involved as light bearers telling others the witness and the testimony. But he's already did all the work. All we're doing is standing by and preaching the kingdom of God. And saying, look what Jesus did. 
we get to be involved. So remember that even when you follow a man and you follow Joshua across the Jordan, that it was God who went before. It was God who anointed. It was God who taught him. It was he, when he would, remember when Moses would meet with God in the tabernacle? And they would say Moses would go back and he'd put a veil over his face because the Shekinah glory was going away. Well, Joshua was still hanging out with, with God. Joshua was still hanging out with God the whole time, seated there in the tabernacle with him. It's a picture of Christ in heaven the whole time. And we're supposed to be going out and, and, and telling others about these things. And the Old Testament lays it out perfectly, except they did it in the physical. And now you and I cross over into the spiritual realm because of grace. They look forward to it. We look back on it. And we don't regard anything as flesh and blood anymore. So the testimony is that he's already defeated the enemy. They're already destroyed. Just because they resist you doesn't mean you go, okay, battle over, can't win. When he resists you, listen, what, is it, what does James tell us? Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil. The devil's going to resist you. Og and Sion, they were resisting them. They wouldn't let them go through the land. All they wanted to do was get some food and water from them if you read the testimony. They said, nope. We're going to come out and fight you. And see, that's what you and I, as sojourners in the land, we really don't, as a, as a thing, we're not supposed to be stopping here. We're looking for a heavenly kingdom. We're supposed to be looking onward and upward. We're not supposed to be doing nothing but just getting a little bit of physical nourishment while we're here so that our bodies don't die. And, and they go, nope, we want to kill you because the whole world underneath the sway of the wicked one. So they want to come out and kill us and God says, no, I'm already delivering all of this to you. It's already going to be, it's, it's finished at the cross. They're defeated. The enemy is defeated. We can remember that. So he says, are we to five yet? Yeah, he destroyed them. Five, the Lord will give them over to you. That you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. In other words, according to his word. According to everything that he said. And that's the way we're supposed to be living. According to everything that he's already said. Every command. What is it? An authoritative prescription. According to every authoritative prescription that he's already said. We're supposed to be obeying that still. That's the way that he, that that's the way that he uh, handed them over to us. He's given them over to us. And we can do according to everything so we can walk in freedom. We can walk by faith. We can go out with boldness. And that's when we get to our verse that tells us to be strong and of good courage. Now, I want you to see these because if you look them up, they're not what you think. When I read that, I'm like, yeah, I'm sticking my chest out. Get me a weapon. Be strong. Listen to this because it's very important. Because listen, to be strong means to fasten upon. Fasten upon what? God's strength, God's victory. That God's already went before us. You're not strong in yourself. You're strong in the Lord and the power of his might, like Ephesians 6 tells us. To be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against a spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, 
we put on the whole armor of God that we may be able to withstand. And in the evil day, having done all to stand. Girding our waist with truth. Everything has to line up on truth. Putting on the breastplate, what's the first truth you have? If you're picking up your inheritance and you believe the truth of God, the very first truth you have to believe is Christ is our righteousness. So you put on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't stand in my righteousness. I don't have any righteousness. He has become my righteousness. And righteousness means right living before God. I have it positionally perfectly. But practically, I'm learning to do right living by learning to obey, by finding out what the will of the Lord is. And then I shod my feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I'm doing the work. I'm shodding my feet. I'm learning the word. I'm spending time in relationship and being ready. And how am I doing it? Oh, above all, take up the shield of faith where which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Because he's coming. Og's going to say, no, you can't come in here. But the, the, the kings and the, and the devil and the flesh and is going to say no. And you're going to say, wait a minute. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. You have nothing to do with it. God's already went before me. He's already destroyed you. I can go where God tells me to go. By faith, I can walk and follow the author and the finisher of my faith. And then I put on the helmet of salvation, the helmet of being delivered, and take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Notice it's always in the Spirit because we're being led by the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit leading you in prayer, you're praying for things that are for your own selfishness, potentially. <clears throat> so we're wanting to dispossess. We're wanting to, to, to drive out the previous tenant. We're wanting to do that by force and then allow God to put His Spirit in us and His inheritance in us. And the word strong, to be strong, means to fasten upon. Listen, it means to cleave. It's the word used for marriage. It means to withstand like we do in Ephesians 6. Listen to this. It, it's interesting. In, in Genesis, let's just read it. Genesis 19. So interesting, this word for strong. When, when uh, uh, Genesis 19, when the angels are telling Lot to get out. In other words, there's, there's some urgency going on. It's 1915. There's some urgency going on to be strong. It's walking circumspectly. Listen, he can come as a thief in the night. If we're being strong and we're cleaving to God and we're withstanding and we're fastening upon this truth that he has gone before us and we're supposed to go in and not be afraid, not to have fear of the enemy, we have to begin to train ourselves. It's in 1915 when the angel said, when the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry. See, we're supposed to haste the day. We're supposed to be we're supposed to be redeeming the time, making the most of the time. We're not supposed to be sitting still going, you know what, when I get a chance, I might tell somebody about Jesus. If they knock on my door, they deliver a package, if they if they show up and my uh, you know an airplane crashes into my house and the ambulance drivers are here, I'll try to tell them. No, we're supposed to be hurrying about this. People are dying and going to hell. Listen. Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered. See this? Righteous lot is here, here lingering like, yeah, okay, I got to get my socks. Hang on a minute, I can't find my shoes. I don't know what he's doing. The men took hold. That's it right there. That's the same word for be strong. 
the angels grabbed him and they took hold of him. And that's what you and I are supposed to do. We're supposed to cleave and fasten upon and grab a hold of these promises and, and the commands that God has given us and to understand by faith that nobody can bother us. Take a hold of them. They took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, his whole family, and the hands of his two daughters. Why? The Lord being merciful to him. And they brought him outside and set him outside the city. Listen, it's the same word, but it says be strong. See, they understood. The angels understood the urgency of the time. They understood the, the, the conditions of the time. They understood what was going on. And while we linger and are lazy and complacent, they took hold of it. They said, be strong. That's what this word has got the urgency about. To be strong is to stop, stop in our drunken minds chasing everything else and to go after what God is saying to go get. To be strong and of good courage, listen, means to be alert, to be physically on foot, to be mentally with courage, to be steadfast of mind, to fortify, to be prepared. You're, you're not boxing and hitting the air like Paul said. You're boxing and you know what your target is, that the enemy is trying to destroy you. But God has given you a command to go in and dispossess, to deal with the flesh, to deal with the enemy and get rid of the ites. And it's supposed to be done in this strength and courage that God has given us with speed. It means to be stout and bold and alert. And while you're doing that, don't, don't be afraid. Do not fear. If God be for us, who can be against us? No weapon formed against us shall prosper. Listen to me. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Christ's perfect love cast out all fear. Do not fear. It means, listen, do not be frightened. Do not revere them. Remember sometimes somebody would tell you in a text about fear that it means reverence? Like fearing God is reverence? What well, he's saying here, don't reverence them. They have no power. They have no strength. They're already destroyed. They're being delivered over to you. Your flesh. Them, the nation. The people that they're going in. Because remember what happened the first time they came here? There's giants in the land. We can't go in. Yes, there's giants. We're dealing with the last remnants of those giants even now. They could be called the great merchants or the great men of the earth. But he's saying, don't be afraid. Know what God is leading you to do. Find out what the will of the Lord is. Find out what your gifts are, what your talents are, what he's called you to do. Be in that relationship through the word, prayer, and fellowship where you're talking with him. He's talking to you. You're communicating and growing. Listen, one might say that fear, well, we know fear of man produces a stumbling block. One might say that fear is the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of trusting God. Because something else is keeping you from walk of faith, from believing God, who's already destroyed and defeated and given you an inheritance. And all we have to do is come in and pick it up, walk it out, live it out. And the worst thing where he says this, he's going to say, do not fear, nor be afraid of them. Listen to me, do not fear. 
And what happens, this is a general attitude. If you begin to train yourself to be fearful, it's like training a child. That heart will be afraid of everything. It's going to be fearful all the time. It's going to learn to be afraid. But if you begin to say in the little days, you know what? God's already provided. You know what? God's taking care of that. You know what? God's already destroyed that. And you start dealing with the little things in a faithful way, you won't be training your heart to fear, but you'll be training your heart to faith. To a walk of faith. I'm going to obey God's word. I'm going to go and do what I don't see because I know he's there because he is a spirit. He's God is a spirit. His kingdom is a spirit. It's all spiritual. His kingdom is not a spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. It's a spiritual battle. Trying to control your heart. The same way God hardened the spirit of those kings, he hardened their hearts. The same way he did it with Pharaoh, he hardened their heart. But their heart was already against God and his people. And he gave them a chance to repent. And when they wouldn't, he went ahead and hardened their heart to show his power with Pharaoh, to show his power with Sion and king of Og. He was showing the power, and then we see the testimony, and we can go believe the same thing by faith because we know what he's doing. He's for us. He's not against us. He loves us. If he was against us, he would have never came and died for us. But he's wanting all to come to repentance. He's wanting all to come and enjoy his fellowship and to worship him. And he says, don't train your heart to fear. Nor be afraid of them. Now listen, different word, afraid is dread, terrified. It's to shake terribly. But why did I say this earlier? It's them means their face. See, we want to see his face. When you look at their face instead of his face, when you see his power in his face, remember back in our text in Luke? Remember, do you guys remember face when we was up there? Here, it's, this is translated them, but it really means their face, their person, their presence. We know that God is the favor we have. It's his presence that's with us. It's his presence that goes before us. It's his presence that sent us. It's him. But when we look at them and we're afraid of them, we're trusting them. I mean, we're looking at their presence, their face, and then we train our hearts to be afraid. But we don't have to be because we're walking with him. So there's a fear you trained your heart. And then he's talking about specific enemies too, isn't he? There's specific enemies. If I talk about your flesh and some sins that are going on in your flesh, you know what those specific sins are. Here, we know who the specific people are because when we read, when they cross over and they start going <coughs> to Joshua and Judges, we see their names. So there's some specific people that he's talking about. Practice now not being afraid because the enemy's coming, but I've already destroyed him. You don't have to be afraid of their face when you see them. They're going to flee. Remember how they get to Jericho? And they go, man, we've heard the testimonies. And their knees are knocking. They're scared to death because they see how God has already defeated Egypt. And they see the testimony. But then God's people's like, I'm afraid to go in. Wait a minute. The people see the testimony. All you do is go, go in. Show up. God's already done it. They're already defeated. But then we look at them and we see their presence and their face and we're afraid. But really, we're here to bless them. We're here to not destroy them. That's 
why I brought in nine. We're not here to destroy anybody. We're here to tell them a witness of God and a testimony of God and present to them that they can also be saved and they don't have to harden their heart and wait for God to confirm their heart, but that they can repent now and come to salvation. That's why we shouldn't be afraid, shouldn't have fear or be afraid of them because we've been called to be the king's kids. Trophies of grace that share truth and testimony in this grand courtroom. And they should be able to see that boldness and that power. They've seen it in the disciples. Even the 70 Sanhedrin said, we have to take note that these people have been with Jesus. That's what they said in Acts chapter. We, they took note that they had been with Jesus. They didn't take note that they went to Hebrew High. They didn't take note that they had a large stick and was swinging it ferociously. They took note that they had been hanging out with Jesus. That was it. <clears throat> and it freaked them out because there's a man sitting here jumping up and down that they had healed, and he's hanging on to them, and the evidence is there of a life that's changed. And they're like, don't preach no more in his name. And they go, <laughs> whether we obey you or obey God, you decide. We think you still got enough spiritual bones in your body to decide that one. <laughs> but they didn't. But think about it for a minute. There was boldness. Even when Peter stands up after he's denied Christ three times. And he gives this sermon where 3,000 people get saved. And he, and he began to use scripture in a way that Jesus did. Because he hung out with Jesus. It is written. He began to say, just like Jesus did. But if you pay attention to the other face, you'll begin to talk like their face. Their presence. Their power. Their lies. You'll begin to say, Happy Easter! Did your bunny rabbit lay eggs? Are you a baby or are you a man or a woman? I don't know anymore. Listen, this is the nonsense when we look at their face, we're worried about what they might do, the one who can kill the body, but we really should be understanding that the one is merciful to us can kill the body and the soul. And he's the face we want to make sure we're in front of. It's not about us, it's about what he's done, what he's doing, what he's getting ready to do when he parts the clouds to come back and get those that are listening and have listened and have died before us because the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall meet the Lord in the air and thus will always be with him and we should encourage one another with these words. That's a witness. That's a testimony. Still encouraging people that he's coming. My hope is not in this world. My hope is not in the food chain. My hope is not in these things that are here. My hope is not in Joe Biden. It's not in Donald Trump. My hope is in Jesus. Because all these people are going to burn if they don't come to Jesus. They're going to die. And that is very sad. That breaks the heart of God. That loving God that was merciful and came down and gave his own life and bled and died and yea rose again did not want to put anybody in hell. But since he's a just God, one day he will. And they will be there for eternity. Where the fire is never quenched. And me and Jamie was talking about the other day, because we was talking about how does he call it a fire that never quenches, and yet they're in outer darkness because they're blind. For eternity, 
They can't see the light of God. Right now, he's opening our eyes. If we will wake from our sleep, he will give us light. But they will be in fire, blind, in darkness. I don't think it means physical blind. I think it means in darkness because we see the, 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 the darkness and light is the, is the, is the uh, euphemisms for uh, good and evil. Is that the right word, euphemism? It's the type. <clears throat> That's how we call it. The light shone in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. You know, so they're going to be in darkness forever because they're never going to receive this relationship and this love and this mercy that a saint can have. Uh, I'm getting excited. Let me slow down here. So it's, do not be afraid of their face, their person, their presence, their PhDs, what they think they know. Because, see, they're going to go into the land. Think about this. They're going to cross over. We're coming in. But they're going to cross over, and they're going to be like, Man, look at the walls on that city. And he said, don't worry about that. Tell you what we're going to do. March around it for seven days and then shout. Just do what I say. Just obey. I know it doesn't make no sense. Think about it. And they shout and the walls come down. But we keep wanting to do this our own way. We keep, and I was going to go over to, and I go, oh boy, I can't do that. I was going to go over to uh, Isaiah 53, 54, 55. Three chapters, actually, because 53 is Jesus, the Messiah coming. 54 is rejoice, O barren one. The reason we have a church right now, because we were the one under the curse. We were the one that didn't bear any children. And then the church is birthed, and now these children are coming from this church. But then he says, in that, don't be afraid, don't be ashamed. And then he says, no weapon formed against them. And then, he, I mean, he, he's doing all of this right there. He's like, wow, this is like, this is like, oh my goodness. He, he wrote it down in the Old Testament, talking about the nation of Israel and the future millennial kingdom and their time then. And plus, he's talking about the church all at the same time. And I'm like, oh, it really is in a trinity, isn't it? It really is. It's written in a trinity. I mean, the whole scripture is. Not just Hebrew is, is in a picture, it's in a number and in a word value, but it's written, and I'm like, oh, you're talking about them, you're talking about future, and you're talking about the church also at the same time. Isn't that amazing? And he will give you eyes to see if you turn on the switch, and you don't fear them, and you're not afraid of them, and you cross over. Oh, I better stop. <laughs> I was going to pop. I go, I can't do three chapters in Isaiah. I can't even do three chapters in any book. <laughs> or three verses. Yeah, you're right. <clears throat> so, there's going to be battles. But it's already won. We stand in the victory. They're already destroyed. He already went before us. He already went and defeated death. I mean, isn't that amazing? And he fully satisfied the Father's judgment on sin for the whole world. And now we can be reconciled to God. And he, we're going to talk about it Sunday. He got back up again. So now there's a recovery of moral truth. That's what resurrection means. <clears throat> and I, and personally, I think that's more important to you and I 
Resurrection means standing back up again, and we know he got up, and we see that God accepted that sacrifice. But if you already believe that, the more important thing is, is that there's a recovery of spiritual truth because it was lost. It was even lost by his nation that was bringing it. They lost the spiritual truth. But in the church, in Christ, in the word of God, we can have it back by the spirit of God coming and living in our heart. And now we can understand and see what he was always talking about, a nation of believer priests. That would be in his family because he's a priest. And what does a priest beget? It begets priest. He's a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And then we get to be priests like him because we're his offspring. Or you can be like the devil and stay down here and be a liar and a fornicator and an adulterer. And where there's, you get your part in the lake of fire. Or we can be like Christ. That's what salvation is about. Being married to him and becoming like him. It's a good thing for his mercy and his grace because we all fall short. And he's already taken those wages for us. Now we can rest and enter in and go in and take the land. Learn what this salvation is about. Grow in the knowledge of God. We get to spend time with God Almighty through the person of the Holy Spirit in the word of God and the testimonies of God. We are privileged to be able to spend time. Isn't that amazing? In Christ. What a privilege. Yet, we keep looking at their faces instead of his. We keep looking for their approval instead of his. We keep looking for their ways to be like them instead of being like him. We better close this out. So he says, Why should we be strong and of good courage and not fear nor be afraid of them, their face, for the Lord your God? Right there it is. There's your answer. That's why, for the Lord your God. You don't have to go anywhere else. But it says, He's the one that goes with you. See, right now, that's by the person of the Holy Spirit. He's with us everywhere we go. He seals us. He's leading us. He's teaching us. He, he came alongside us to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. He's always going to provide for us. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, in the, in the King James, it says, He will not fail thee. It's not just focused upon leaving, but fail. He's not going to fail. Not one word that he's promised will fail. Not one thing that he's doing will fail. Nor forsake thee, nor loosen you. Right here, it's, it's the word abandon. He will not abandon you or desert you. It's like, oh, I showed up for the battle. I was standing there going, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And, oh, he left. He didn't desert you. You left him. God will never leave you. No but when you take the credit, when you stand up, when you begin to do what you want to do, and you rush in where you want to rush in, that's when he leaves. But if you're looking to obey him and follow him and take and pick up the spoils and the inheritance that he's given us, never fail you. Never. Never. No matter what is coming upon the land, God will not fail us. Remember, we're spiritual beings. 
And we, we already have salvation. And that's the only important part of life. It really is. This life is about getting to heaven. So, Moses says this to all of Israel. And then in verse 7, he says, and we'll just close this. Then Moses, he didn't just say it to Israel. Then he calls Joshua out. See, that's what the law does. Calls Yeshua, calls the Lord salvation. Called him out. The law tells us right in front of everybody in the sight of Israel, be strong and of good courage for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them and you shall cause, Yeshua shall cause them to inherit it. That's what he's saying. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you he will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not fail you, nor forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. Now, dismayed is a different word. Don't break down. Don't bow down. Don't get scared or discouraged. Because it's already given. It's already a done deal. He's repeating it. The law couldn't do it. Here you go, Joshua. It's a done deal. Lead them in, and we don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to bow down to anything that they have. We do not have to break down, bow down, cow down. Because no weapon formed against us shall prosper. It won't work. You can read your homework. It's Hebrews 13, 5. Oh, let me read it to you. Oh, you thought you were done. Yeah. Hebrews 13, 5. Let your conduct, that's how you're living, be without getting rid of it, covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave, I will never fail you, nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, listen, what are we boldly saying? The Lord is my helper. He's my strength. I will not fear what can man do to me. Man can't do nothing. And God is providing perfectly. God is providing perfectly. Why well, don't I have enough crackers? God is providing perfectly. You had exactly as many as he wanted you to have. Stop whining and start shining. Worship God. And the good and the bad. He will never leave you nor forsake you. What he's doing is testing your heart, trying your heart to see if you'll come and cross over and defeat the flesh and see that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Deuteronomy 8.2. Next week's scripture, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8, you guys know this, you've memorized this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, so you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then you shall be prosperous, and then you shall be of good success. And then he says, be strong, be courageous. It's another good one where Joshua is taking them in. We're not going to go into it yet, but listen to me. Write it down, memorize it, 
And God has given us an authoritative prescription of how we should thus live in this book of the law. It doesn't save us, but it points us to him who does, who is our righteousness, who came and died for us. We can trust him. We should see his face and not the face of these that pretend, not the face of these that lie to us. We want to see the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ as we search the scriptures daily, finding out what the will of the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. May we not continue to flounder and him haul around as Lot did. But we know that's why there's going to be a rapture because you've got to take hold of us and with force take us out of here because we would be happy doing what we're doing. Lord, teach us to be witnesses. Teach us to have a relationship with you. Teach us to pray and help us to understand that man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from your mouth because you've sent your word to heal the land. Help us to be healed, Lord. Help us to go boldly with your strength and your might and witness to those who need to be saved. Pour out your spirit upon us. In Jesus' name and for his glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you.